0: Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. This morning, here, I wanted to take a a few moments and and talk about a uh, a topic that I I think is uh, very important. And uh, you know, right right before we get into teaching on this uh, thing about spiritual gifts, um, I, I thought it'd be helpful to start that actually in a in a couple coming weeks here, um, for a couple reasons. One, this will allow uh, for some more time and preparation, uh, study, so that way we can thoroughly deal uh, with those things. But also, looking at the calendar. Um, next week one of our other elders uh, Jeff who's uh, not here he's still driving yep okay so we need to pray for Jeff um, but he'll be he'll be teaching again out of uh, First Timothy and uh, the week after that um, Resurrection Sunday and I thought it'd be good instead of just starting and then stopping and then starting again. Um, we'll actually take this week and uh, talk about biblical eldership. Now, what we practice here at this church, uh, our form of church leadership, is eldership, biblical eldership, and um, it's good for us to kind of be reminded of what we're doing here, why we're doing it, Um, but also I know that we have some uh, new families that are part of this uh, fellowship, and maybe you don't know... What eldership is or why we have elders or what elders are, um, and I think it'd be good for you to, to understand why we are doing what we're uh, doing here. Um, you know, all of us here have been brought up or been part of a church, possibly, uh, with the one senior pastor or maybe you had the one senior pastor and assistant pastors. Or you had uh, one senior pastor and uh, several other uh, pastors. But it's no matter what the situation was, it was always the same type of, uh, of pyramid structure. Where you have the one senior pastor on top and everybody else falls down on the bottom. Uh, but that's not what the New Testament uh, teaches us, he teaches us plurality of elders, where the elders are equal uh, and the elders share in the responsibility of, in a sense, pastoring the church. Uh, now, even though I am a vocational elder, meaning that I do a majority of the teaching and speaking here, I am in no way more important than any of the other elders here, uh, which is uh, Jerry, who is up here, uh, then we have Alan, and then also Jeff. Uh, Now, I may be more visible, but that doesn't mean that what I say is more important, or what they say is more important, or that I have more sway, anything like that. We are here to practice eldership in the form that all of us are equal, all of us are serving and ministering to the body of Christ, in a sense, uh, shepherding the body. And so all of us, you know, we, we may have traditions in how we think church leadership should be structured. Uh, But really, what we got to do is we got to go back to the Word of God and we got to say, what does the Bible say? Not what my traditions are, not what I was brought up under. Um, We have to ask ourselves, are we going to continue in tradition or are we going to be biblical? And if we want to be biblical, then we got to find out, what does the Bible say about how church uh, leadership should be structured? So, what we are striving to do here at Pleasant Ridge is to be biblical, and that means. Even in the areas of our spiritual leadership. And so with this message today, I hope we can have uh, here an understanding of what biblical eldership is, what the elders do, why we have elders. And so here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. God's word gives us instructions in how the church is to be led. God's word gives us instructions. And how the church is to be led. Now, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to have them. I'm not going to have any scripture up here on the screen because we're going to look at uh, several other places here uh, this morning. And so if you don't have a Bible, there's one right under the chair there that you can grab one. And you can take a look at a few things here. So let's take note of a couple things. Number one, what is biblical eldership and why should we practice it? Let's turn a couple uh, scriptures here. Let's start over here in First Timothy, uh, chapter three. You know, scripture is is very clear in how the church is to be led. Um, Prior to me coming here, I served as an assistant pastor for nine years at a church that had a senior pastor. I was brought on as an assistant pastor. And after a while studying things, looking at the scripture, I started seeing these things of elders. Who are the elders? What are the elders? Who are these people? And most notably, we see here in 1 Timothy 3, Paul gives instructions to Timothy to go back to these churches that Paul is established, and to establish elders within the church. And uh, I started asking some questions. asked my pastor at that time, I asked him a question. I said, so where in Scripture do we find where it says that there is supposed to be one pastor of the church? And he goes, oh, well, it's over there, you know, it's... not really giving me any clear direction of what Scripture actually says. And so I began to study, and the more that I began to study and look and see in the scriptures in the New Testament, you find a plethora of areas where the Bible talks about elders within the church and how they relate into shepherding the congregation. Now, we're going to be able to look at all the scripture passages today. Uh, if you want a list of all the scripture passages, I can, uh, most, I can give those to you, no problem, but uh, we're going to look at some primary ones uh, here about uh, what eldership is and why we should practice it. So 1 Timothy 3.14, we find here uh, what, what Timothy is, is given a task to do. And uh, notice what he says here. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so Paul tells Timothy, he says, Look, I'm telling you how these things are supposed to be done within the church. And before that, he he gives more instruction about the elders and what the qualifications of the elders are supposed to be. Uh, Look at at, uh, 1 Timothy 4, number 6. He says, if you, Timothy, put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Uh, Look at uh, 1 Timothy 4.11. He says here, command and teach these things. And so God's word really gives us the code. It really gives us the understanding of how a church is supposed to be structured. And so we don't find any scripture that promotes this idea of the one pastor model. The only mention of a senior pastor in scripture is actually found in uh, 3 John. Uh, Turn with me over there real quick. 3 John, and uh, you'll see here this man by the name of Diotrephes, who was uh, really a leader in the church. And uh, notice what ends up being said about him. Uh, we find here in verse, uh, verse 9 and 10 that this man Diotrephes, he says, I have, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing. What was he doing? He was talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church. So here is Diotrephes, the lone senior pastor of a church who is uh, really wreaking havoc within the church, and he's kicking people out of the church, saying, get out of here, I don't want you here. Um, Turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter number 5. Really, 1 Peter 5 is the only other place where we find a senior pastor. And Peter is talking to the elders of the churches here, and he tells them uh, look at uh, beginning verse number 2, 1 Peter 5 2. He's addressing the elders. Verse 1, he says, So I exhort the elders among you. Verse 2, what does he tell the elders to do? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And notice right here, here it is, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, who's the senior pastor of this church? Jesus Christ. It's not Mike, it's not any of the other elders, it is Jesus Christ. And so when the chief shepherd appears, what will he do? You will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so we, as the elders here of this fellowship, we are to be examples to the flock. We are to encourage and help you mature in Jesus Christ. And if we do our job well, it says that when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, says that he will reward us with the unfading crown of glory. Turn over to 1 Timothy again, uh, verse uh, 314. And so Paul here, he's instructing the churches, and he tells Timothy the importance of following the directions. And so God has given us directions on how the church is to be governed or led and the qualifications for those who are servant leaders of the church. And uh, we've spent some time uh, as we've been working our way through 1 Timothy, actually. Uh, we went through all those qualifications of the elders. Um, you know, you see those clearly laid out First Timothy 3. Uh, Verse number two, he says, therefore, an overseer or an elder or a bishop, right, same word, must be above reproach. These are all the qualifications that are listed, and he gives them all the way down uh, through verse number seven. And so, the church is to be led by a plurality of biblically qualified elders, The New Testament concept of elders is that of shepherds. And we see this. uh, We see this in Acts 20, 28, when Paul is writing to the Ephesian elders. And he says, I know after my departure, he says, fierce wolves are going to come in. So he's talking to a singular church, which is the church at Ephesus. And he says to the Ephesian elders, the elders at that one church in Ephesus, and he says, after my departure... He says, fierce wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. And he says, there will be men that will arise even among your own selves that will speak twisted things, wanting to draw away the disciples after themselves. We see it in 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, where Peter, again, we saw those. And then also in 1 Timothy 5, 17, Paul says, let the elders, there's the plurality again, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so the organizational and pastoral oversight of the local church is to be in the hands of a plurality of qualified pastoral elders, not one person. The eldership is not an executive board of laymen. Uh, if you think an elder board is men that get together and they decide, uh, well, let's see, we're going to hire this person and we're going to do this and we're going to make this decision about uh, what kind of color we're going to paint the walls and we're going to do—that's not an elder. An elder is one who shepherds the church. An elder is one who takes on the dirty work of encouraging the sheep, encouraging the flock to help them mature in Jesus Christ. Eldership is not a board. They are not a committee or an assistant to the pastor. And I believe once you understand New Testament eldership as that of shepherds who have an oversight of the church, it really changes everything. Paul, when he instructed the elders, watch out for yourselves in Acts 20, 28. Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2, Peter was actually writing to elders at five different churches. And he tells them this. He says, so as your fellow elder, which is interesting, Peter calling himself a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings as one who shares in the glory that will be revealed. I urge the elders among you, give a shepherd's care to God's flock among you, exercising oversight, not merely as a duty, but willingly under God's direction, not for shameful profit, but eagerly. So here's the definition of eldership. Biblical eldership is the shepherding of the church by a plurality of qualified servant leaders. We say biblical because it's possible to have elders who are not qualified or to have a form of eldership that is not biblical. Unfortunately, there are many churches that practice a form of church government that places all the leadership on one man. Or they may have the elders, but those elders act as advisors to that one pastor, or more of a board who only make decisions. And so here at Pleasant Ridge, we are striving to practice what the scriptures teach and how the church is to be led, and that is to be led through a biblical eldership. After our Lord Jesus died and resurrected and ascended to the Father, he left the church in the hands of the twelve. Here they are, the 12 apostles. What direction did he give them? Who did he say was going to be the leader of the church? Did he say, John, you know what? I love you the most. You're going to be the pastor of the church. No. Did he say, Peter, you know what, Peter? You're a dynamic speaker. You know how to get up there and just let it rip. People are going to hear your words, and they're just going to be like, wow, this guy is amazing. You're going to be the pastor? No. What about Thomas? Did he say, Thomas, you know what? You're going to be able to connect with people because, you know, you've been through a lot of doubts and hardships, and you know what it's like, and you're going to be able to get one-on-one with people and just really connect with them? No. Who did he leave in charge? He left the 12 in charge. And you see that throughout scripture. You see them, all of them were pastoring that church collectively, uh, the church at Jerusalem. We find that the apostles shared the responsibility. You can read this through the book of Acts. We find that the apostles shared the responsibility of shepherding that church. Later, we see Paul as an apostle going and planting churches and establishing elders, not a single man pastor to shepherd those churches. And then later on, we find that all the apostles are dying out. And so what does Paul do? He has a protege. He has Timothy to say, hey, Timothy, I want you to go back through these churches now and get them organized, get them structured with eldership. And so we see that Paul sends Timothy to do that. All of us bring to the table our traditions and how we were raised, and I'm sure many of you grew up under the tradition of there was one pastor. He was the head honcho. The buck stopped with him. Uh, He ran the church. He was the Lone Star professional who was hired to pastor the church. He's the guy with the Bible college degree. Can you point to me anywhere in Scripture where it says that the elders that, that pastored the church had a Bible college degree? They didn't. And I think this is one of the dangers that we have so many times within churches, is a church may find themselves without a pastor. And so what do they do? They put it out there. Hey, we're looking for a pastor. We're looking for a pastor. We're looking for a pastor. Oh, we need to find these qualifications. He's got to be a good speaker. He's got to be able to be really, really nice with the old people. And he's got to be able to connect with the young people. And we really. It's not in scripture. The elders are to be examples to the flock. Where did the elders come from? They came from within the church body. And so if you are practicing biblical eldership, there's never a need to be looking for a senior pastor. Because if we are maturing people in the faith and maturing people in Jesus Christ and they are growing up, then they themselves become an example to the flock and they themselves then can become an elder within the church. And who better to minister to the church body than you have somebody that already knows the church body. You see how much, how much more that benefits the church? And so we have to make a decision of am I going to follow tradition or am I going to follow God's word? The New Testament defines elders as shepherds, overseers, stewards, and leaders of the local church. We see this in Acts 20 28, 1 Peter 5 1, Philippians 1 1, 1 Timothy 3 1, Titus 1 7, 1 Timothy 5 17. Another thing that we learn about what the Bible teaches about eldership is this. The church is to be elder-led. What do we mean by that? It means that the elders to be actively involved in shepherding the church. That's how they lead. They shepherd the church. There are four areas that the Bible teaches us about how the church is to be uh, led by elders. Now, remember, the elders are not just people sitting on a board making decisions. They don't just show up at meetings and say, oh, that sounds good. Uh, well, pastor, you know what? Uh, oh, I don't know about that, pastor. No, that's not an elder. That's just some grumpy guy sitting in a room. Okay? Elders are supposed to be actively shepherding the church. They are to be actively involved in shepherding. Here's how they are to be leading. First of all, they're a shared leadership. What do we mean by this? There is to be equality. Acts 20, 28. And diversity. 1 Timothy five seventeen. We see these two things. Equality and diversity. When Paul addresses those Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 28, he tells them. He says, fierce wolves are going to come in. Right? He says, protect the flock. Shepherd the flock. You got to care for them. 1 Timothy 5.17, we see what uh, Paul says there. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. And so there is equality and there is diversity. We strive to practice what is known as first among equals. The first leadership body in the church was appointed directly by the Lord Jesus himself. And he had within it, by his approval, both equality and diversity. Among the 12 disciples, who comes to your mind as being one who was really out front in the lead always? Who? Peter. Now, that might have been some some of Peter's strengths that he had. What three do you always see in Scripture as always being together. Peter, James, and John. Okay. Now, does that mean that Peter was more important than the other disciples? No. Does that mean that Peter, James, and John were more important? No. There was equality among the elders, but they all had unique and different strengths and gifts that contributed to the whole. The Lord used all of them. Some of them we might not know that much about, but they were just as important as the others. And so even within eldership, even what we try to practice here, striving to practice here, there are some of us that are more gifted in certain things, in certain areas, but that doesn't mean that just because they're more gifted in this or they're more gifted in that or they're not as gifted in this or not as gifted in that doesn't mean that they're not as important. There are things that Jerry brings to the eldership that benefits all of us greatly. There are hindrances that I bring to the eldership that can hinder all of us greatly. So we are to rely on all of our strengths and our weaknesses together. So an area that I'm weak in, Jerry may be more proficient in. An area that Alan's more weak in, there might be an area that I'm more proficient in. Or an area that Jeff is more proficient in, there might be an area that all of us are deficient in. Okay? So there's not one of us that's more important. All of us are here to work together to be able to shepherd the flock. And you think about this. If you had four biblically qualified men to shepherd the flock... How much much more does that do for the church than just relying upon one individual? There's a benefit there, huge benefit. And so there needs to be equality and diversity. So let's look at these two things specifically, okay? First of all, equality. Speaking directly to the elders in the church at Ephesus, Paul says in Acts 20, 28, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care or to shepherd the church of God. And so Acts 20, 28 teaches us that all the elders took part in three things. Here they are. Number one, they have been placed in the flock by the Holy Spirit as overseers for the specific purpose to shepherd the church. Secondly, They have been charged by the Holy Spirit to shepherd the church. I charge you to shepherd the church, take care of the church. Who will be held accountable for the spiritual growth and the direction of Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship? Elders, raise your hand. Yeah, we will. We will be held accountable by the Lord Jesus Christ himself of how we took care of the church, of how we shepherded the church, of how we loved on you and, and tried to help you and encourage you and mature you in the faith. We will be held accountable for that. Thirdly, they shared equally the authority and the responsibility for the oversight of the entire congregation. He said, pay careful attention to all the flock all of the flock and so each one of them was charged it wasn't like well you know uh, okay you're good at this and so you're going to do all of that and so we're we're just going to be over here and we're going to do no they all were charged with responsibility of shepherding the flock taking care of it from other scriptures, we learn that there are other things that the elders have equality, and I'll just make brief mention of these. Uh, all are equali- equally responsible to be alert to the constant dangers of false teaching and to guard the flock from false teachers. Acts fifteen six, Acts twenty twenty eight through thirty one, and also Titus one nine through thirteen. Now, it's not in the fact that there are false teachers that are coming in. And we're like, hey, why don't you come on in here and speak for us? And sometimes that does happen. But, you know, there are false teachers that are available online. And you can download their stuff and listen to them. And so if an elder warns you and says, hey, you need to be careful. I saw that you're reading that book or I heard that you're listening to this. And an elder warns you and says, listen, what they're saying is false teaching. You need to be thankful that they're doing that because they're warning you. About false teachers. The elders were able to teach scripture and rebuke false teachers, 1 Timothy 3.2 and also Titus 1.9. They are to be publicly examined as the biblical qualifications before serving as an overseer, 1 Timothy 3.10 and also 1 Timothy 5.22-25. The elders are responsible to visit and pray for the sick, James 5.14. If anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elder or elders. Elders, right? We are to share the designations of elder and overseer. That's Philippians 1.1 and also 1 Timothy 5.17. And the elders were supposed to be also shared, to be appreciated, esteemed, very highly in love, honored, protected from slander, and obeyed. That's 1 Timothy 5, 12 through 13, or 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 19, and Hebrews 13, 17. And so the church is to be elder-led with equality under that shared leadership. The second part of our shared leadership is diversity. So we see that equality in Acts 20, 28, and also diversity. And although the elders share equally the same office and pastoral charge. There is at that same time rich diversity of giftedness and life situations among those within the elders. Now, it is obvious that not all elders within the church are equal in giftedness, effectiveness, influence, time availability, years of experience, verbal skills, leadership ability, or biblical knowledge. Note some of these uh, following things here. With diversity, with the elders, we have this text in 1 Timothy 5.17. Paul, this is what he says, he later writes the same thing uh, 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 to the church at Ephesus, but he says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so with the diversity, not all elders labor diligently in preaching and teaching. Now, I'm employed, I guess guess you'd say I'm employed, kind of, I don't know, Um, but you guys give to me right in a sense that you support me for a living and what do I do I labor in teaching and preaching and so I do a majority of the teaching and preaching up here but that doesn't mean that the other elders can't share in that and that's something that we've really tried working on and working through in allowing the other elders to be teaching that's what we've done past year right been going through the book of first timothy elders have been sharing the first of every month right teaching through first timothy And so we're sharing that responsibility, and that's a good thing. Although all elders must be able to teach to refute false teachers and be spiritually alert to the dangers of false doctrine, not all have the spiritual gift of teaching or evangelism or the same degree of proficiency at teaching or preaching the gospel. And so this implies that one or some elders will have a more prominent public role In the pulpit ministry of the whole church. Not all elders rule well. Because what does he say here? Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Rule well means a skill or giftedness, they're skilled, they're gifted in that. And all elders must be able to lead and manage their homes well, but not all have the spiritual gift of leadership or the same degree of leadership skills. In Romans 12, 8, and speaking of the spiritual gifts within the church, it mentions of those who have the gift of leadership. And he says this, Paul says, If it is leadership, he must do so with diligence. And so there are some elders who are very gifted in leadership. But he might be really gifted in leadership, but he may have really crummy uh, skills in being able to speak about those things, right? So how does that help, right? We're relying upon the, the gifts, the strengths, the weaknesses of each other to be able to shepherd the flock. And this is what is so amazing about eldership. God raises up elders within the church exactly what they need. Think about it. We're sharing in life experiences. We know each other. We're we're growing together. We're maturing in, in, in in our faith together. And God raises up elders within the church to be an example to the flock. And that helps the flock grow. So there are some elders who display more prominent leadership, initiative, and influence And this is where we strive to practice first among equals, meaning we allow each other to lead in the area or areas that they are gifted in. You know, there are some things, there are some times, I'll be honest with you, right? Like, we'll sometimes come to elder meetings and there are some things that I'm like, I really want to do this. And then the other elders are like, just don't see it, just don't see it. And what do we have to do? We have to be willing to say, okay, step back, work with each other. doesn't mean everything's going to be great and wonderful. I mean, we have our disagreements. But the idea is the fact that we can work through our disagreements and be able to look at the big picture that's in front of us, and that is to shepherd the flock. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not all elders receive double honor from the congregation, is what 1 Timothy 5.17 says. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in teaching and in preaching. Scripture is clear that the elders that labor in the word for the purpose of teaching or preaching are to be compensated for their diligent labor. Now, this doesn't mean that you buy him a Mercedes and say, Oh, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so wonderful. Here you go. No. It means that you take care of them. You don't muzzle the ox, right? If the ox is producing and it's, 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 it's laboring, you don't muzzle the ox. This implies that the elders in congregation acknowledge and set aside and support those elders laboring in the gospel and equipping the saints by the word. And so I'm a vocational elder, This is what I do full-time. I make my living this way. And so from these two texts addressed to the church at Ephesus, we learn that both equality and diversity exist within a biblical eldership. And really, this is why biblical eldership is so valuable to a church. And if you have one guy calling all the shots, he may be gifted in certain areas, but a disaster in others. There's certain things that you don't want me doing. I could probably make up a lot of stuff and uh, act like I know what I'm doing, but in reality, I don't. And so within our eldership, the elders work off of and together with each other's strengths and weaknesses. And this is something that we're striving to do. We're not perfect at it, I'll tell you that. But we're learning, we're growing, we're learning how to do this, and we're striving to do that. Here's the last thing. I said I had four things about the church, how it's supposed to be led. Let me give you the other three here very quickly, okay? So the church is to be elder-led. We see that shared leadership and equality and diversity. Uh, we see that it is male leadership. This is clearly taught in Scripture that the church is to be led by male leadership. In the minds of many people, excluding women from church leadership is sexist, discriminatory, and, and another example of male dominance, Anyone who loves people and desires to uphold scripture knows that being discriminatory towards women is a sin and dishonoring to God. And God has placed gender roles for both men and women. Now he does this because he designed male-female distinctions in order for the sexes to complement each other and to exercise different functions in society. And so when God set up the church, he designed for the church to be led by male leadership. This is the way that he designed it. And we have no way, no right to sit in there and say, well, you know, we live in different times now and things are different. No, that's the way God put it up. If you have a problem with it, you've got to talk to God about it, right? And his word is very clear on this. God did not do this for discriminatory reasons. Rather, it is for the welfare of the family, the church, and the human race. Paul often uses the household analogy when speaking of the nature and or the order of the local church, just as he teaches male headship in the family, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, Colossians 3:18, Titus 2, 1, and also Titus uh, 2, 4 through 5. He teaches male headship in the household of God, the church, 1 Timothy 2, 8, all the way through 1 Timothy 3, 7. Women are not to be elders or shepherds within the church. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14 really should settle that question of women pastors or elders. Paul prohibits women from doing two things in reference to men in the church, teaching and exercising authority over them. And this is not against women. It has everything to do with the way that God has designed it. Now, I'm sure that there are many women who are exceptional speakers. In fact, there are probably some women that are better teachers, preachers of the word than there are men. Does that mean that, man, they're, they're really gifted in speaking, so they should be a pastor? No. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with what God has said in his word. And we are to follow it and to obey it. And so it doesn't make them fit to be an elder in the church because it goes contrary to the teaching of God's word. Here's the third thing about elder-led church. Uh, It's supposed to be qualified leadership. The elder-led church is to have qualified leadership. There needs to be qualified men who can effectively lead the church. And these qualifications are not business qualifications, but biblical qualifications. Sometimes I think churches may start looking at things and they're like, you know that person, you know, he's got the gift of gap. He's able to he's a wordsmith, man. He's just able to he's really gifted, man. He should be an elder. Does he meet the biblical qualifications? Our person says, "Boy, you know that person has a lot of prominence in 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 the uh in the the uh uh area around here, and he's a businessman, and he knows, man, he he knows how to get things, and he knows this, he knows that. He should be an elder. Eh. Nope. They should meet the biblical qualifications. Sometimes we look at people and they say, boy, they're dynamic, they're energetic, they're outgoing. Boy, they're, 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 people just magnetized to them. Yeah, they're great. Does that mean they should be an elder? Nope. They must meet the biblical qualifications. There are some elders that may be more soft spoken. But as long as they're meeting the biblical qualifications, that's what an elder should do and be. Here's the last thing so, elders are to meet the spiritual, moral qualifications outlined in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, Titus 1, 5 through 9. Last one servant leadership. Elders are to be servant leaders. We are to get our example from the supreme shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. He was humble, gentle, and yet taught with authority and stood firm in the face of hypocritical religious criticism. He manifested humility and servanthood by washing the disciples' feet and was full of godly wisdom, self-control. Elders, likewise, must learn how to be servants to the congregation. Church, you are not supposed to serve the elders. The elders are supposed to serve the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Elders are to serve not with titles and thrones, but with towels and wash basins. The elders must be patient, persuade, listen, handle disagreement, forgive, lead, care, and be willing to do the dirty jobs, even to those whom they may disagree with. I can't tell you how important it is of the elders being an example to the church. Us elders are supposed to be examples to you. And when we do that... I believe it will help you mature in your faith in Jesus Christ. And so I say to you, let let us elders here love on you compassionately. Let us serve you willingly. Let us, uh, uh, in a way, persuade and to, in a way, push you towards maturity in Christ. Let us do that. And, you know, there are probably other men in here already that God has placed you in here that you can be an elder. And maybe you're growing and maturing in your faith, and God is going to raise you up at the right time. And he's going to allow you to be an elder, so that way you can be an example to the flock and to serve and to be uh, a help in helping the body mature. So let's pray together. Thank you so much. uh, and I hope this is a help to you in understanding what we do here, why we do it, and why we have uh, elders here. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.